0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again for bearing with me with last week's unscheduled um, no-show. I do appreciate your patience and understanding. I was really under the weather and still am. My sleep has been really affected. So you'll just notice my energy is at a little bit of a lower pace than you might be used to. And I might mix up words a little bit more often than usual, but let's get into it. This week, we're breaking down Miami Vice Season 3, Episode 8, entitled Better Living Through Chemistry. But is it really? Here is the IMDb synopsis. Tubbs' attempt to stop synthetic cocaine of the highest purity from hitting the streets are threatened by his ex-NYPD partner, whose career was destroyed by Tubbs's testimony regarding a confused shooting. And we open up at this huge nightclub with a lot of different themes going on. we got lots of neon. I want to say it's supposed to be kind of like a sexy, hip biker bar. We have Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf playing. We have a guy and a girl riding a motorcycle through the bar, through the dance floor. We have a motorcycle just held up by wires. And we have people of like all different backgrounds dancing, which, to be fair, is very cool. I kind of like seeing that everybody all brought together. We have a girl, a beautiful model in, like, a kind of, like, Mad Max leather getup. It is a lot. And we got some of your favorites. We got Izzy. We got Crockett. We got Tubbs. We got a drug deal about to go down, and they're meeting up with a guy named, I kid you not, Wango Mac... <laughs> but let's get back to Izzy cuz Izzy does bring up a very good point in this next clip. Hello, Miami man. It's like a thoughtful renaissance. Eh? So, Izzy is hanging out with a guy named Henry. They also call him Luna. He is a highly skilled, highly intelligent chemist who is working with Mac to develop this incredibly important for them synthetic cocaine. Because, again, if you can get it to be synthetic, get it to be legal on the streets, they can make a ton of money off of this. So this is what they're also trying to make the deal. And it's funny because Crockett and Tubbs are separated in this deal. Burnett, or Crockett, is already sitting down when Tubbs is coming in in sunglasses inside at night to make this deal. Definitely go check out the gallery for all these outfits. If I haven't mentioned already, Izzy is in a Batman suit. Yes, exactly what I sound like. You have a ton of sequins. You have a woman who is sitting behind Izzy in one of the pictures. And she's wearing this, like, goldenrod, orange, yellow, long sleeve dress. And looks like a million dollars. Then the dancers, all this. This nightclub is a whole mishmash of themes and styles and then we also pan to the DJ who's up on a podium so we can oversee the entire floor which I think is super cool it looks to be like he's right in the middle so he has kind of like a 360 view and we see Izzy kind of come up to him blah blah, blah. it seems like they're you know they're both kind of working for the same guy they're both obviously associated with this Matt character i want to say his real name is Rob Nelson i'll I'll Confirm that later on in the episode. And the DJ's very funny. He tells Izzy to get lost as Izzy's kind of in his ear. And then he recognizes somebody. He recognizes our own, Ricardo Tubbs, even though Tubbs is going under with the sunglasses. Once take takes the sunglasses off, the DJ ruining not only just this deal, but everybody's night turns the spotlight or the house light on illuminates tubbs's face to the entire club and calls him out for being nypd's finest And that's where we cut the cold open. So imagine, like, you're just partying at this club. The music stops. You find out there's an undercover cop in your midst. You're trying to do this deal with this undercover cop. It's kind of just a mood killer all around. Then if you're the undercover cop, you're worried about being killed. So bad times all around. Also, they definitely have to have a lot of bad blood for that to transpire. Not to just, you know, take it outside or meet up with them after the fact. But to shine the light on him at the club and stopped the music to basically ruin his cover. We're going to get into that right after the intro when we are back at OCB. Now back at OCB, Tubbs explains that the DJ who blew his cover used to be his partner back in New York. Crockett's also looking great. It's kind of like a mint-green-teal mint combo he's got going on and now back to the story Tubbs explains that he confessed against his old partner so basically a, a shooting went down it was a bookie who was involved it was just kind of a numbers deal they say like I know what that means I'm like does that mean that he was scamming because bookies are someone who makes bets I know that but explain a little bit more for the lay people here because I don't really know what Caused all this fury, why a shooting would break out. So basically, Tubbs's ex-partner, Clarence Batisse, Clarence Batisse, claimed that the bookie had a gun, but Tubbs didn't see the gun. So when they were talking about internal affairs and all that, Tubbs told them what he saw, which was that he didn't see a gun. He didn't believe that there was a gun on the premises. So, and after that, obviously, he got taken off the force, and he hasn't seen or heard from him in eight years, and probably also a little surprised to also see him in Miami. Now, Croc and Tubbs also want to get a little bit more information from our dear friend, Izzy. Izzy. Still kind of the same In the best way possible But I really want to Again, if you're not driving Please go over to the gallery You can find it in the description notes Of every single episode You can also find it in the link tree On my Instagram the apartment that izzy lives in is like a repurposed cave when i was looking this up it says that it was um the caves of a little restaurant and that would be super cool i guess like maybe they repurposed one of the restaurant dining rooms for izzy's apartment he's got messages writing he has again all those nine different greyhounds we saw him with a few episodes back and it's just a very hectic house to come into but he does have a lot of really cool street signs it's just like a really cool vibe that i really like Completely changed my lifestyle, man. They keep me up all night. I can't get any sleep. They've learned how to turn on the video. Hey, keep your paws off the video. If you dare, seco. I know who you are. Um, question. He named his dog Fidel. Okay, interesting. I don't know how accurate that would be for 1980s Miami for a gentleman of... Who I assume fled Cuba, but let's leave that alone. Let's not get into semantics here. Izzy also explains that he was actually hired by Mac to kind of keep his chemist entertained with strippers and... Dancers And what have you. So it turns out that the chemist has a really bad mental block and he is frustrated trying to keep this PG. So Izzy is tasked with bringing him and kind of keeping him entertained and trying to basically move past that mental block. So Izzy does mention the word escort service which is very funny but it's more that he's the escort for the chemist for luna which i find is very funny there's an old school computer in the background again the dogs running around i like how the dogs can know how to turn everything off and i really like you know what an animal lover not only to just take care of these dogs to take care of these dogs when you look to maybe be in a one bedroom maybe studio apartment that's also a cave so very tiny Again, like always, Crockett and Tubbs are pressing Izzy for a little bit of information. Izzy, again, doesn't really want to have to deal with this. You know, he doesn't want to expose what he knows about Mac, and he doesn't really want to... Or maybe he doesn't know really what's going on. He just knows a little bit about the synthetic cocaine, that he's just in charge of the chemist. He's not actually getting his hands dirty and anything like that. Crockett reminds him, and then Izzy also makes such a bad point. I was cringing in this next scene. We own you, so you're gonna tell us everything, right? That's right, man, like a double agent, Alec Limes, huh? Hey, listen, maybe you can do a a favor for me, you know, uh, talk to my parole officer, you know. You know, explain to her that, uh, you know, I haven't returned her phone calls because I'm out there in the cold, you know? Don't push it, amigo. You're just not calling your parole officer back? Uh, I think that's uh, something you can't really charm your way out of, Izzy. Well, let's leave that to the side. Tubbs is going to go revisit his past. He's going to go give Clarence a visit. And not only do we have the sexy Animal Crossing music I always like, we have a beautiful redhead opening the door for Tubbs. Letting him know that Clarence has been waiting for him. It's not going to be a happy reunion, though. Hello. Hi. I'm Ricardo Tubbs. I'm a friend of Clarence's. He's been expecting him. Come in. Before we get to kind of like the more emotional talk, please note that Clarence is in like green workout gear and Tubbs is in a full suit and they're both standing outside of Miami having this conversation. Left me. Two years later, Emeretta killed herself. I'm sorry. Right. The court gave custody of my kids to her mother. She said I wasn't fit. So now I got a new career. Five days a week, I play the hits. Not bad. guy you're working for. He's the wrong guy, my friend. Matt? Yeah. I just spin the platters for him. You're a cop. You got cop's eyes. You can't not just see things, man. I choose not to see. It's called survival. Don't play me on this, man. Don't accuse me. Man, I've already done that once. Another point that Clarence brought up that I didn't include in the clip just because the clip was very, very, very long altogether. All the scene is that when Tubbs explains that he didn't see the gun, Clarence said basically paraphrasing that if he were in Tubbs's shoes, he would have seen whatever his partner had seen. I wrote oof in my notes because I was like, that's a very sticky Situation, a very slippery slope to get into once you start actively lying as opposed to just supporting. And with so much corruption within law enforcement, Tubbs did do the right thing. And we will see Tubbs's true colors really shine later on this episode. But right now, We are going On a boat To make a deal We are going to What I'm assuming I thought it was a boat Never mind, I'm looking closer at these photos It's somewhat adjacent to the nightclub It's huge, but it's just like these booths Maybe it's a restaurant I don't know how many properties this Mac guy has But clearly he has enough to Try and process synthetic cocaine for sale So he's got money First of all his goons... Hired goons? ...have amazing style all throughout this episode. This is not the first or last time I'll mention the style of these goons. For now, I'm just looking at the pink sunglasses inside at night. Also, I'm quite impressed by the general wealth and the technology of this place. Because with one click of a button, all the blinds for about four different windows that I can see in this gift that I made just slowly come down in unison. And I understand that technology's been around for a while, but usually awnings are a little bit slow, or you have to manually crank it. Like, the fact that all of these just dropped at the same time, pretty impressive for 1986. Or, just gonna have a lot of money. Now, we are making a deal. We have a gentleman in all purple. Not really royal purple, kind of like more of a pinky note to the purple I am trying to like accurately put it on the color scale and I can't really think of the shade not lilac there's a little bit deeper than lilac and he is very interested in this product and refers to it as such she is a beautiful lady what is she four keys at 28 per. oh well now he wants to try this beautiful lady already has a free basing pipe with water in it it's not a crack pipe I think a crack pipe is just when it's a straight pipe you just put it at the end I don't think you have to liquefy it who knows I should know living and working in Los Angeles for the past decade I should be knowing my street drugs a little bit better however anyway he takes a sample smokes some and then develops this crazy insane headache grabs his face in pain falls on the floor dies instantly from this synthetic cocaine Sunny again undercover just looks away and it's such a cold scene that nobody cares nobody cares that this guy died and it's just kind of you know back to the drawing board okay let's maybe reduce the potency a little bit but it's kind of just a footnote not even (sighs) well we learn a little bit more about the synthetic cocaine Tubbs is going to the lab talking to one of the head scientists who's testing the cocaine I guess from a sample that he was able to pilfer maybe Sunny was able to pilfer did not pay attention to that part she agrees that not only is it really potent it is really dangerous for a plethora of reasons in this next clip left handed isomer stuff's potent yeah we know Cracked watch the guy bounce off the floor with it This mixer they've got is good. He's closer than anyone I've seen to synthesizing the molecule. I think they guinea-pigged your buyer. He's got an echinine-type compound here, a hundred times more potent than cocaine. All he's gotta do is clean up the analog and cut the hell out of the potency. If he can do it cost-effectively, we're in big trouble. Well, how much more trouble can we be in? It'll be legal. Ooh, all right. So things are about to get very interesting. We go back to Mac's office, because again, we can see with all like the motorcycle paraphernalia and the goons. Now, Izzy is acting as a intermediary or as a translator or interpreter. More translator. And basically for this last name Sangres, who wants to partner up with Mac. He wants to really export the synthetic cocaine to the Latin American market. He wants to expand the business. And he thinks that they would work really well together. However, Mac decidedly does not agree. Tell him I'm not interested in partners. Si, uh, partner. Sangres, uh, escúchame. Um, el Americano dice que no quiere partners. Cómo que no quiere paña? ¿Qué pasa? Especially partners. He can't speak English. English, ¿qué dice en English? Um, ah. <laughs> Señor Mac, hey... I... tell him. Yep, that was Mac spitting into his hand. Uh, él dice que nada. <laughs> que nada. <No>. Que nada. <laughs> que nada. Que nada, ¿eh? <laughs> Obviously, Leaves, super pissed, super offended. There is a great screenshot I was able to grab of Mac rolling his eyes up. Oh, I was like, oh, Moo, that's what I've been feeling like all this week. So, although I'm sure that Zegris was able to determine that what Mac said was not what Izzy translated for him, and Izzy really didn't want to obviously translate the rhetoric that Mac was using, understandably. So... This is definitely going to come back around because, naturally, he's leaving extremely pissed and extremely offended when our boy, Clarence Batiste, walks in and he asks for about $500 in petty cash to get a few more tapes for the club. Then he's able to kind of, like, overhear this conversation. So, basically, he comes right before Sangris is leaving, kind of, like, spouting all that stuff off about his mom and his grandma then it is funny. Max. like, what did he say? And Izzy just kind of has 6 They're like, oh, he said, you know, a lot of derogatory things, maybe about some women in your life, mothers. <laughs> and so now that Clarence has overheard, like, a little bit more of what's going on, he makes a call to an unknown person, basically telling Sangris, the guy that Mac kind of got told to F himself and was... a Pretty racist towards. He makes a call saying that he can take the chemist at the club that night at 11 p.m. sharp. I'm going to play this call because I really like the transition. Tell he can take away Max Chemist tonight. At Eleven o'clock sharp at the club. All right, now back to this club with a million different themes. So, this theme tonight kind of is like space, outerworldly. So, basically, Clarence's girlfriend, the beautiful redhead that opened the door, she's in like a white bikini with like a silver, very loose fabric mesh covering, kind of like a space alien Barbarella. Look to it. And then the bartender, it's really hard to see, but the bartender is also in white pants with this geometric. Mesh top It is Well It's really hard to see I, I circled it So you can zoom in And of course They're playing A sledgehammer By Peter Gabriel There's a beautiful woman Dancing in a white bikini With a halter top We got some Guys in full leather And sunglasses In the bar It is Quite a scene Now Izzy is there With the chemist As the chemist Is just drooling Over Clarence's Girlfriend Now Again Clarence with the the high perch at the club can see everything that's going on. So when he sees a few shifty men walk in and one has a kind of like a bulky shirt even though he's wearing a blazer you can still tell that there's something in there. he knows that it's going down. These are the guys that he basically called. So he runs over to Izzy and to Luna lets them know about he kind of like says something about an after party. They leave the club along with the lady. Ah, sorry, the DJ invites him to the beach. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. Is this. Did I. Hold on one second. Never mind. I do not have a clip of it. I am so sorry that that quote is not 100% accurate. And once. Izzy, the chemist, the DJ all go off to either the beach or the after party or what have you. He gets them out of there. The goons walk behind the girl who's dancing the bikini, shove her off, (laughs) and open fire. And I'm so sorry to laugh while I was saying these words. It's just... I made a GIF of her getting pushed off, and it is so hilarious. (laughs) Obviously, what transpired after was not funny. Again, Crockett is in the club, so he's able to fire back, take down some of the shooters. However, it's really unfortunate. It's really terrifying. Now we get back to OCB, where Castillo wants to know a little bit more about what's going down. Crockett naturally is a little bit suspicious, since... Tubbs is, you know, kind of clarifying that Clarence was a good cop, blah, blah, blah. He's not involved in this. However, at the end of the day, isn't it suspicious that Clarence, the chemist, Izzy, and his girlfriend all miraculously got out of the way before the shooting transpired? Tubbs kind of questions Crockett's loyalty and what would have transpired if a situation like what went down between him and Batiste had happened to them meaning our friend Clarence isn't at home and I'm wondering how he his girlfriend and Izzy were able to waltz out of a 300 round per minute firefight for that you got him tried and convicted no sir but I'm also not going to bend over backwards with misplaced guilt trying to protect him either He was my partner, Sonny. If it were me, how straight would you be standing? Ooh, and that little ding-ding is Castillo, his eyes illuminating a little bit. He's showing a little bit of emotion. He's very curious as to what's going on. So it turns out he is going to get that file. He has the folder on what happened straight from infer- internal, oh my god, straight from internal affairs in New York drops it on Tubbs' desk Tubbs is able to look it over Tubbs realizes that something is awry Ask Castillo if he can go to New York Castillo says he has 24 hours he flies right out to New York but in the meantime we're going to check in with Izzy who is talking about the Geneva Convention, blah, blah, blah. He is actually locked up. Not really kidnapped, more kept for safekeeping, along with the chemist in... Not really sure where they are, but it kind of seems like an abandoned state, but kind of safe enough, nothing too dilapidated. While the chemist is watching cartoons, which I love, and eating a popsicle, Izzy is trying to come up with a plan along with Clarence. They're basically going to make it seem like Sangra's goons kidnapped the chemist and is holding him ransom. And for a million dollars, they'll set him free. What Mac wants is a picture with Izzy, with the chemist, with today's newspaper, with the date to know that he's still okay. Now, Tubbs is in New York. He has a chance to meet with the guy, the bookie that was involved with the case, with the shooting that led to Clarence being fired or being let go from the force. He's in jail on another charge. Turns out that there was truth to what Clarence thought. As I recall, you came out from behind that vent, pretty sure of yourself. You carry any weight on my state? I'm not gonna lie to you, Lucas. I know you're in here on some unrelated charges, but I got some favors over me. I might be able to help. Yeah. So how about it? buddy? have a gun? You need a piece. I you at the air conditioning vent? I knew I'd be out in a day. Buster's bogus. Why? A $400 nickel plated mag. You think I'm gonna leave it for some stiff? Maybe a bonus for some cop? Ooh, so Clarence was right. There was a gun, and just because Tubbs wasn't able to see that it was hidden that's what happened oh sorry i did mix up the timing on this one so now we get to izzy being quasi kidnapped however izzy and the chemist have a good rapport but it seems that the chemist is going a little bit stir crazy remember mac has entrusted or had entrusted izzy to keep him busy with the ladies as a way to break through any mental blocks he is having. Seems though that his mindset's changing a little bit the more and more and more he works on this synthetic product. Gets the point that now he wants to try it. Unfortunately, we all know how that goes. What's he saying? He uh, says uh, he's got 100% pure synthetic cocaine, and now he wants a sample of goods, and he wants me to join him. I'm going to have to fake this, man. Drugs tend to upset my psychiatric gyroscopics. Ah, uh, we So the chemist wants to try the cocaine with Izzy, and they try it together. But because he can't understand what Izzy is saying to Clarence, he doesn't hear that Izzy's going to do, or he's going to pretend to do the drug, with the synthetic cocaine while the chemist will actually try the real thing now neither of them witnessed evans the buyer who was all in purple fall dead from trying the synthetic cocaine however once the chemist again same thing smokes it falls right to the ground dies instantly They also have this whole kidnapping plot that they still have to work with. So they prop him up Weekend at Bernie style with sunglasses and the day's newspaper. Now, Crockett hears wind of this $1 million ransom. He calls Castillo in a super iconic shot. It is the cover for the episode. You have definitely seen it before with Crockett illuminated by the blue neon at the payphone. Such a great shot and he brings up his doubts to Castillo. I don't know. Something's wrong. Why just a million? Sangres knows how much that formula could be worth. And if Luna's already come up with it, Sangres would probably just croak him so he'd have an exclusive on it. You don't think Sangri has him? I don't know. I got a feeling something's not right. You wanna come in? No, it's not me. The cover's solid. What happens next? Wait for the Cubans to call. I better get back. Crockett also reminds Castillo and us, the audience that he's going to be under for the remainder of the case. So Crockett is still under... Tubbs has returned from New York, and as Tubbs is walking back to his car, which I did take a screenshot of the license plate, it says ABP70D, like Delta. So, I was trying to get a clear shot of the Testarossa license plate. I do have it somewhere. I just have to kind of zoom in on it. At first, I thought the license plate was APB as an all-points bulletin. I was like, oh, my God, why would you, as an undercover vice cop, have that as your license plate? I was like, oh, okay, never mind. I take it back. Like, my notes were like, what the? And I take it all back. Now, so as Tubbs is walking back to his car alone at night, Clarence just pops by. (laughs) I understand that cell phones weren't a thing there, but, like, you're just watching him and casing him, following his car, seeing where he's, you know, where he's up to. Now, when they first start talking, Tubbs tells Clarence that he spoke to his lady. Clarence kind of just, like, brushed it off, kind of like, yeah, 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 I heard. No, like, he talked to Melody, and this is what he said. He's not going to talk to you. I don't think you understand. I found out some valuable information that I think he needs to know. And if he's not here, I'm going to tell you. Uh, So we as the audience don't see what he has said to Melody. I also just want to play that clip because it is Jan Hammer's Marina in the background, a.k.a. the name of your lovely host. So that is more why I added this into the story, because... (laughs) Tubbs and Clarence are circling back to his car. Clarence is telling Tubbs that he wants to come clean about all these things. But when he's coming clean to Tubbs, he's not coming clean to the audience because we are hearing him say that he knows that Sangris has Luna and basically wants to set up a meet between Tubbs and Sangris. Tubbs, again, is thinking that, you know, he's coming clean. He's going to help out. When we can see that this is really deception and that he's setting Tubbs up, despite knowing that he came clean, that Tubbs came clean to Melody about everything that was going on. He'll give Luna back. And he's freaked. He asked me what to do. I said, maybe you cut a deal with him. I mean, I figured your people didn't want another gang war. So, uh,. He's willing to set up Mac. and he wants to meet with you. One-on-one, just the two of you. Sounds like a conversation I should have. I want immunity. The witness protection gig, you know? I'll talk to the DA, it'll fly. All right. So when do I meet him? On the waterfront, at the old marina tomorrow at 6 a.m. All right. So this is not looking good for Tubbs at the moment. Then Izzy calls Crockett while Crockett is undercover. So initially the white landline is answered by one of the goons and then passed over to Crockett as Izzy is telling Crockett everything that's going on that he doesn't want to be taken down for this. It's next clip. I'm not going down on a 782 for this, man. I had nothing to do with it. This is a Clarence Pattis special. OK, thanks. My answering service. Now, sorry, I don't know why I didn't have the part of the conversation where Izzy is telling Crockett that Luna is dead. Don't know why that wasn't part of my recording, but you get the gist of it. And I really like how Crockett kind of plays it off because he's still undercover. And with that, we'll take a short break and come back in just a sec. And we are back. Tubbs is at the precinct with a new mysterious guy behind him working at an office we have never seen before. Has kind of a little hockey mullet going on. Again, we'll probably never see this gentleman again. Now, while he's sitting down, Tubbs looks very good in blue, I might add. Castillo tells him that they're going to open up the case the one regarding the NYPD, the internal affairs case, and, you know, hopefully try to reinstate Clarence Batiste back, Tubbs tells Castillo that Clarence is involved and that he does want immunity and that he wants to help with this Wango Mac. I cannot say that name seriously. Every time I'm, like, laughing and I have a mirror in front of me and I'm just... (laughs) Oh, man. Well, then um, when Tubbs tells Castillo that he's going to go make this deal, Castillo asks about backup and Tubbs kind of brushes it off. That would not be a good idea. And we're going to learn why in this next scene. We are back at Mac's office again with the motorcycle displayed. we got three different men in sunglasses at night inside. We have Clarence sitting down. We have Crockett sitting down and we have Mac showing the photo of Luna being held hostage with Izzy with the newspaper as they requested. Now, this is why Tubbs should have backup. And keep in mind that Crockett is still undercover and here's this. Let's know where you are meeting him. You want to make 150 large, free and clear? Oh. Whack the cop. You want the job or not? Oof! And with that, he, one of the goons, hands Clarence a giant briefcase, I'm assuming full of cash. We will see in just a second. And the way that the camera pans to Crockett when he hears whack the cop. Crockett raises his eyebrows, but again, he does seem very composed, still undercover. Also looking great with a pink undershirt, by the way. Now, Clarence is back home and his girlfriend... Melody, the one who Tufts has told everything to because he wasn't able to get a hold of Clarence comes in when he gets home and Clarence explains what's going down. All free a million dollars and sweet revenge all in one night And so with that, she's obviously concerned about Tubbs, knowing how Tubbs has actually been on Clarence's side, knowing more details about the case. She explains to Clarence what's going on. He went to New York and he talked to the other guy. There was a gun. He hid it in the alley. Um, I thought it was the AC vent. He admitted it. Cop to the whole thing. Tubbs went to the chief of detectives. He thinks maybe you can get reinstated with back pay and everything. He's waiting for a call from New York. Clarence, what have you done? Nothing that I can't fix. Uh one thing, the continuity that I mentioned, the alleyway that she says, maybe just, you know, it's a broken telephone. Like he says the AC vent, she misinterprets it or she misremembers. Also, it kind of reminds me of Wayne's World when Chris Farley, as the driver, knows Way too many details and just like gives this whole spiel to Wayne. It's like, wow, how fortuitous in that moment that you were able to get all this information that is actually very beneficial to me. And but I like it, she's like a conduit and she's super cool. Her name is Shanti Owens, but in this, she is credited as her original name. But there's a little bit of like a cool backstory with her in the Vice Tea that I've added as well to the links. So they are going to go make this deal. We see Zito and Switek are staking out this meet. Clarence and Tubbs meet and Clarence explains that this is a setup and that he was going to take him out. And as soon as he pulls out the gun, now Clarence pulls out the gun to make it look like it's a setup, Crockett busts out from behind the rock, declares himself as police. And that's when this whole shootout starts between Max guys, Clarence, Crockett, and again, Tubbs... Is luckily saved by Clarence. Clarence is able to pull him down. There's a really great gif of Clarence pulling Tubbs down behind the car to protect him. And I think it's a very sweet scene. And Crockett's obviously really pissed. And when he comes up to Clarence after the whole shootouts occurred, is about to arrest him, Tubbs kind of talks him down and explains that Clarence saved his life. <laughs> Where's Luna's body? What? Where's Luna's body? The warehouse. I saw a way to get the money I back. I hated you so much. And then after Meldy told me what you'd done, I realized the problem wasn't with you. It was with me. What made you do it? The Clarence Batiste that I knew couldn't even conceive of kidnapping somebody. The Clarence Batisse, you knew died eight years ago I don't think so I think there's plenty more on the inside we won't need the cuffs this man was a police officer ride with me oh I think that's a really nice ending and I really understand that Tubbs is so full of forgiveness that he's able to overlook this and It might seem extreme, but you also have to understand from Clarence's perspective, his ex-wife killed herself. He lost custody of his children. His whole life imploded when he wasn't actually doing anything bad. And it was unfortunately just a misunderstanding between two partners. And they were both able to make things right and I think that's actually a really great ending to the episode. Unfortunately we haven't had a lot of great endings to season three episodes so I just thought this was a really nice way to end the episode with. And now with that let's break it down. So the vice tea for this episode is actually pretty light. I couldn't really find anything too scandalous. Victor Love, who played Clarence Batiste, looked so familiar to me, but I was looking through his IMDb, I was looking on the Wikipedia, couldn't really see anything scandalous, maybe just because he's so handsome, but... Nothing scandalous I could find. Rob Nelson had actually a very cool backstory with how he was really involved with theater and filmmaking in San Francisco. And then when I got to Shanty Owen, she was the redhead. So I misset her name earlier. I said it was Shanty Owens. Uh, Shanty Owen. She was previously known as Patty Owen. I was like, oh, she's so beautiful. She has such a great look, and. I'm I really liked her beauty and her presence and her haircut and just like the way she held herself and how elegant she dressed in this episode, even when she was dancing at the nightclub. So I was looking in and she has kind of a cool backstory that she was a dating coach and that she was championing different styles of relationships before they're really in vogue, you know, polyamory, swinging, all that. And I was able to link to her old dating website, which looks very vintage, but she does talk about her modeling career and all that and how she got into it. And then she has made a complete change when she changed her name to Shanti Owen. And she has taken a sobriety from sex. And she wrote a book about sex addiction, sex and love addiction called legal courtesan. If I'm mispronouncing that or I forgot the title, it is linked in the show notes, but not read the book, but seems overall like a very cool woman. And I do appreciate that this was obviously something that was a very big part of her life that overtook her life. As you could see, it was also linked with her career and how she made a living and that she was able to extradite herself from that and start a new path. So I always like to champion happy ending on this podcast, especially with season three. I'm actually surprised that this is actually a very nice episode to research and find anything too scandalous. All right, now let's get to fashion because I want to say the winner of this episode is the color blue, not only just with that super iconic scene of Crockett at the payphone with the blue neon behind him, because Crockett also looks fabulous in a scene in Mac's office where he is wearing a thick blue and black striped blazer with a blue undershirt on looking like a million bucks. Then I was going to say my best underdressed is the scene between Tubbs and Clarence where you can tell it's like easily 100 degrees with humidity. And Clarence is in like a little tank top in shorts and Tubbs in a full suit. And I really also like the blue skirt that Melody was wearing, which was talking to Tubbs on the beach. Then obviously she's going to be kind of my favorite this episode because I also love her Space Girl Barbarella outfit. I just love like the the sleeves, the mesh, and the white bikini underneath. Then a wild card. This is where we get a little bit more fun. I've already spoken about the guys in the club with the sunglasses and the leather unzipped, naturally just sitting at the club, kind of keeping an eye, obviously hired goons. Then Izzy with a Batman suit definitely takes the cake. And then just everybody at the club, like all the gifts I have, the people dancing and the gold sequin dresses and the woman I mentioned with that kind of like golden rod long sleeve dress like oh such a fabulous episode now music they had some great songs in this episode also today i learned the artist behind the song the tequila song they're called the champs i did not know that like obviously we opened the episode with born to be wild by steppenwolf and you would think that as a canadian band they'd be my favorite but how can you deny sledgehammer especially after that segue with like the yawn hammer kind of fake sledgehammer notes into the actual song at the nightclub. Oh, as much as I love the tequila song and Born to Be Wild, I have to go with Sledgehammer as my number one song. And as we wrap up this episode, I just want to thank you all for liking, subscribing, for listening, for telling your friends. You can find everything about Vice and Easy online. You can find me on social media on TikTok and Instagram at Vice and Easy Podcast. You can find me wherever you get your podcasts Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, what have you. You can also find us on YouTube by us, Mean Me, Marina, your host. Also, this this episode featured Marina by Jan Hammer. And as much as I make fun of Rico's Blues, the Animal Crossing song, that was the other Jan Hammer song. But obviously, naturally, Marina is going to be my favorite Jan Hammer song of the episode. I'm going to leave you with my favorite quote, and I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Vice and Easy. She is a beautiful lady. What is she? Four keys at 28 per? Oh my god, how could I forget the second part of this clip as a Canadian? 12 a pound, Mr. Evans. You see, we're Americans. We don't believe in the metric system. I love it. I miss the metric system a lot. And even though I've been here for nine years... Still ask me what the difference between a corn and a liter is. I know it has to do with cups and all that. And I know what a pint is, 16 ounces. And I know what a liter and a stein are, 32 ounces. Aside from that, metric system all the way, baby. Again, thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends, and for supporting me, Marina, your host of the Vice and Easy podcast. Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.